0: This this, this. is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show,
1: your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Dallas Cowboys select TD Lamb. Oh, they took him! Now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. Two weeks away, we are closing in on the NFL Draft as we are the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show presented by Miller Lite, as always, streaming live coast-to-coast and around the world from the SWBC Mortgage Studios. So glad you're with us here over the next hour as we are going to hit a slew of topics surrounding the NFL Draft, which is just 14 days away. I'm Kyle Yeomans alongside David Hellman, Brian Broaddus, and the great Dane Brugler and Brian, I know we've kind of talked about this off the air, but, I mean, one of the craziest draft processes or processes or whatever it even, I don't even know what the plural of that word is right now, one of the craziest you've ever experienced. And, well, it continues to get crazier as we have multiple pro days. We have so many different things with the opt-outs. We've got injuries and players going to Indianapolis to check out the medicals. Has there been a crazier year than this, and what has been the craziest part for you so far in this draft process?
2: Yeah, are you boys nervous yet? Are we getting scared? <laughs> we, uh, we 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 everybody ready
1: to a
3: do this? A
2: little
1: bit,
3: a little bit. Yeah, everybody's right. everybody's operating under the same challenges, so yeah, you know, I, I, we yeah. feel good about that.
2: Yeah, that's that is the good thing, Kyle. And you're right about that, Dane. And I think Kyle when – and I know Dane and Dave. We all have our sources, Kyle. You have your own sources. You know, as you talk to guys and gals around the league. There's so many that, that you know, that they there's things that they learned last year with all the meetings and things like that and how to conduct the Zoom stuff and how to visit with players and how to get information. The fact that they were able to get the Pro Days done, the fact that they were able to get at least 150 players in for physicals last weekend, I think helps a lot of teams. I, I know there's a bunch of anxiety among the teams about these medicals and the lack of No combine, But at least we've had the pro days. Some guys are doubling up on pro days to try and help some of these teams. But the fact that they've got 150 medicals done last weekend, I think at least gives these guys and gals a little bit of a peace of mind. So, yeah, it is unusual what we're dealing with right now. But as we all know, the National Football League finds ways to adapt, and I think everybody's doing the best they can right now with that.
3: Dane? You mentioned the pro days, uh, the doubling up. Really, the main reason for that is we don't have private workouts this year. Right. You know, we don't have – teams aren't – if the 49ers want to bring in Justin Fields, they can't. They can't bring him to the facility. They can't have a private workout. They can't go to Columbus and have, uh, you know, just a one-on-one type of workout. So they have to have these second pro days uh, so you're able to get your eyes on them again. But anybody's allowed to attend. So, you know, it's not just the 49ers that were at Justin Fields' Pro Day yesterday. Trey Lance is going to have his second Pro Day coming up. There will be other teams in attendance for that. And it really makes it interesting um, it just because And even though you know, you're allowed to be there, you can't really talk to the player. You can just, you know, have these little interactions. But in the past, you're taking these guys out for dinner. You know, you're, you're spending quality time with them can't do that this year you, you can't have that you know uh, that uh, the normal process that you have in terms of finding out what type of guy are you what type of person are you those facility visits you know I, I worked on my seven round mock draft the last week and we'll talk about that later in the show but part of that is always trying to connect the dots you know who which teams bringing in which players for their 30 visits and who's talking to who at pro days who took you know this player out for dinner all these things. And this year we don't have that. It's harder to connect dots for those of us on the outside looking in about maybe who the teams are zeroing in on, what type of players, uh, what specific positions at certain points in the draft. So this uh, process is very different; has been very different for both the teams and then those of us on the outside who are trying to figure it out as we go along.
4: Yeah, that's a great point, Dan. And that's, that's what I keep thinking about is – you know, you're know, you exactly right. Like you can't bring these guys in. So, you know, I, I, it feels like maybe it's only two, but like, to me, it feels like Justin Fields has had like four pro days at this <laughs> point. Or like, we've talked, we've talked about him do like working out. It feels like half a dozen times. And I wonder if part of it is like, yeah, you want to get your eyes on him and see him. But the other thing too, is like, it's, it's harder for teams to hide their interest and kind of put up those smoke screens that they love to do. And so, you know, In a normal year where you can send a few guys up to Columbus to talk to him and work with him, you can't do that. And I'm sitting here wondering, like, you know, I I wonder if teams are sending guys to Justin Fields Pro Days just to make it look like they're interested. You know, like maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe Mac Jones is San Francisco's guy, but they know that if they don't send a contingent to Columbus, they're sending a pretty clear signal of what their intentions are, at least from the outsider's perspective. So, it's almost like, like you have to go out of your way with the gamesmanship maybe even more than normal this year because you're so limited and it's so much harder to be discreet. And uh, you know, everybody I've talked to on the scouting side of this just says it's a nightmare because of all these limitations, mm-hmm. and, and I don't blame them.
2: Yeah, Kyle, there was a time when working there at the Star was a huge advantage because those they'd bring those thirty day, the thirty day, the visit guys in, and Dave and I'd be sitting there having breakfast and like, oh, that's him, that's him, yeah. that's him, <laughs> that's him. Yep. So then you had that idea. You know, they, it was very hard for them to, to hide who they were bringing in on visits, and you know, it 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 it, it helped you that way. Dallas days, things like that. Everything kind of gave you an idea. To Dane's point. You know the 30 visits were always a great indication of what direction that this team might go in and and without that i know they're missing that and i know
4: we're all missing that not being able to have breakfast and lunch with those kids it's so funny like and and you know like you said brian like we've got sources we have ways of getting information like i have a i have a a pretty good idea of of who the cowboys are talking to anyway But it's a hell of a lot easier (laughs) sitting at work and saying like, "Okay, that guy, that guy's got a Florida Gators logo on his backpack, so uh, let's go, let's check that." Oh, oh, that's Melvin Gordon, I know, because he's got long hair. Like it's really easy when you just get to see these guys walking around the facility. So uh, I do miss that. I promise you.
1: It's really unfortunate that we don't get that opportunity to see Dave's eyes light up whenever he sees Kyle Pitts walk down the hot hallway. I think that would have been probably <laughs> my favorite part of the draft process so far. Uh, but, Dane, whenever it comes to these extra pro days and, and you're talking about the these specific players that are getting extra chances in front of these different organizations, what's the biggest benefit for the players specifically? Because from the teams, I can definitely see the benefit. You get an extra look at a guy. But from a player standpoint, what is their benefit and what are they looking to accomplish whenever they do these second pro days?
3: Well, the more you can do. Um, and, and so for a team like the 49ers, the thing is, we don't know. Like, does Kyle Shanahan know who they're taking? Uh, we just don't know. Uh, you know, For all we know, he might have his mind made up and he's going to these pro days to say, OK, let's just, just do diligence. Let's Let's see if one of these guys can change my mind. Uh, but we just don't know, and so if you're Justin Fields, if you're Trey Lance, you know the oh, the tea leaves say it's Mac Jones, but mm-hmm. you know who knows? If you go out there and put together a strong workout, well, maybe I could be the number three pick. You just don't know. So you know, some of these guys, it's about injuries. You know, like uh, like a Jabril Cox, he's having his pro day here coming up here uh, next week. Uh, but really, it's about these quarterbacks, and if you're able to put. Uh, some quality throws out there. And and we have to remember, too, is a lot of times that these pros
1: So I think we lost Dane on the live view. We'll get him back here in a couple seconds. Dane, are you still there? Can You're back. Okay, say exactly what you were just saying. Turn your mic down again, just so you know. But turn your mic down and then say exactly what you were doing a second ago.
3: So, you know, having that second pro day, uh, having opportunity to show uh, what you can do, I mean, it's, it, it's something that with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan being at Mac Jones' first pro day, missing that pro day for Justin Fields, uh, you know it, it's a chance to see him in person and you know the chance to th- uh, ask and request certain throws from these quarterbacks is something that you would do at a private setting that you don't always get to do at a pro day setting so having a second pro day gives teams the chance to do that mm-hmm. and so i, I it, it's something that is we just don't know how teams are going to digest it because it's different than you know normal years and so again could kyle shanahan and the 49ers have like an idea of like, what I, I we they have an idea but is their mind made up, or are they really, you know, going back to what uh, you know Dave was talking about the gamesmanship? You know, are they really going through these pro days with an open mind, or they do they know who they're taking at number three? Brian.
2: Yeah, I think they know damn good and well who they're going to take. I just think <laughs> that the problem that we, I think the, I think the thing that's interesting is that. They have an advantage of knowing who the Jets are going to take, too. Mm -hmm. Because of Robert Sala being on that staff at San Francisco, they know what's going to happen ahead of them. They know know the two picks. So they're able to kind of get a little bit of a gauge of what's going on. What I find very interesting, guys, is there's crusties like me that don't believe that they're going to take Mac Jones. But then you've got former Shanahan players coming out. Richard Sherman yesterday came out yesterday and said, I, I don't. They're taking Fields. They're not taking mm-hmm. Mac Jones. So it's funny now to see how people are lining up. And I, and I, and Kyle Shanahan is not going to get influenced by what Krusty Brian Brodus says or what Richard Sherman says. But I have an idea that they know the guy that they're going to take. I don't think there's any smoke screening going on here. I think they have an idea. You traded up for that pick to for a purpose. I think they had a player in mind. I think they're doing their due diligence just to look at all the workouts. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you're going to see if if a player's going to have a workout, one of these quarterbacks, especially, unless you're the Saint, oh, uh, that's what said Saint- Los Angeles Rams, then you, you you're you know you're probably going to be at all these workouts and stuff. Because like I say, the Rams have shown that they're not going to any of these mm-hmm. workouts.
4: Brian just I can't. refuse to believe Mac Jones will be a top five pick until Roger Goodell reads his name. I just yeah, you can't. I'm there. I, too. And, and hey, yeah. I did. I said the yeah. same. I said the same thing about Daniel Jones, and I was blown away. So it's definitely it's possible. But I gotta. I gotta see it. Gotta see it to believe it. It's just whoever yeah. has I Jones. Mean, right, where on we the are back back right now,
3: Mac Jones is still the favorite, right? I mean, I, 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 I think he is. I mean, I and, and I, I don't uh, know. I'm just going. I have no idea who that number three pick is going to be. I'm just going based off of what I hear around the league and what other teams expect to happen. And they think that Mac Jones is the favorite, but they don't know either. Yeah, this Like I yeah. said, Kyle Shanahan well, is probably the only person that, and maybe John Lynch, that really actually knows who this pick yeah. is. There are people in that 49ers organization that don't know, that mm-hmm. are still kind of yeah. waiting uh, at the edge of their seat saying, okay, you know, who's our quarterback going to be? So... I don't know. I, I can understand the Mac Jones pick. I, I really can. And, but don't uh, yeah. be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised at any of those three quarterbacks is what I'm getting at.
2: See, the, one of the advantages, to being crusty old guy is you have old, crusty friends that run these teams. And so <laughs> I was talking to yeah. these guys, and I, I point blank asked these guys. I said, listen, you really think they're taking Mac Jones? And I got to five guys. I used to see seven guys I talked to that you know that do this stuff, that run these teams. Five, four of the five guys said, "There's no way Mac Jones is going to be that pick. No way." And and I'm and 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 they were saying it with confidence, like and so yeah, we're hearing things and 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 you're right, Dane. We've all got a shot of being wrong here. It very well could have been. Yeah, we're going to take Mac Jones. He was our guy throughout. But man, there's so many people that we all know and trust and have been a part of this for such a long time that are going, no way in hell they're taking Mac mm. Jones. You do not trade two first-round picks to go get Mac Jones. You just don't do that. And But Kyle Shanahan's different. And I, I do think I, he knows who he wants to take. There's people, you're right, Dane, in his organization that, you know, I did learn one thing about how important, though, on this, this process is for the 49ers. Whatever player interviewed the best was going to get high consideration. And when I mean interview come off as understanding scheme, understanding uh, the job, the responsibilities, coming off as the best and the brightest. Maybe that it wasn't going to be the most talented guy, but it was going to be the one that convinced Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch that they could handle being a professional uh, quarterback, uh, NFL quarterback. And the interview was going to be a very, very important part. And let's be honest, I think Mac Jones
3: could do that very well. You know, I think he so just these described Mac Jones. It feels like <laughs> you know a guy that may it, not it, be it, the most physically talented. But no, 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 In, it, it, in an interview it, it, setting,
2: yeah. no, you, no. You and you're see right. How he would, uh, I, I just made your. I just made the case for Mac Jones. I just made the case for Mac Jones. I just. I, but I do know, and I think that there's guys like what came out of, about Fields, about people talking about Reads and things like that. I'm not buying that stuff because I'm talking to people on the other side, too, that have had interaction with fields. And they're like, listen, this kid is bright. He is smart. He understands reads. It's, it's scheme. There's things that he has to do. So all this stuff, you know, I mean, I'm one of these guys that believe that every one of these quarterbacks that gets picked, and I know history will prove me wrong, but I, I believe this is a class where every one of these kids will succeed. Mm-hmm. I really do believe. And, and some will be better than others. But I don't see there's going to be a huge bust factor in this class, where in the past we've seen five kids drafted, two of them are busts. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see that with this this crew. I think this this crew has a chance to be three, four years from now. We'll look back and we'll say this was a special crew of quarterbacks that went through this.
1: And it's been said before that if you're good in the interview room, if your decision-making on the field is top-notch, and if your accuracy is there, you're going to have a pretty good chance of going high. And all three of those things, you can check the boxes for Mac Jones. So he very well still could be the pick. But, Brian, whenever it comes to these second pro days, and these teams, like Dane said earlier, are going to have to digest this information and have to really kind of figure out how they're going to weigh it on their draft boards, do you think a guy like Kyle Shanahan can have his mind changed? Maybe it was Mac Jones all the way up until, up until this point. And then maybe Justin Fields, seeing him in person, maybe getting to talk to him a little bit, changes his mind.
2: Yeah, I think what would change his mind is if he could go and watch him throw. And, and there's nothing better than sitting there and physically standing next to a player. That's one of the great things I loved about the combine, is you physically got to stand next to guys. And you got to see the body types. And then you got to see him work out. You know, that that is such a, a great mental image to have, especially when you're watching tape. You know, and, and Dane brought up the point about could the 49ers request in the fields workout, I think was it John Beck? Is is Beck his quarterback or yeah. somebody's mm-hmm. running the workout there. So former BYU guy. You can request stuff. Beck has come out and said, Hey, yeah, sure, I'll incorporate, but we're gonna kind of stick to the script and do some stuff. You know, if if I was back in the in fields, I would do anything that a pro team wanted me to do. I I would. I would say, okay, what do you want me to? You know, show that you show your willingness to make those things happen, so those teams can get the best evaluation. But where shot where Kyle Shanahan could change his mind is physically seeing that kid up close throw the football, watch the ball come out of his hands, watch how accurate he could be. You can even hear sometimes if you're standing down the field and that ball's got some whistle to it. Mm. Those are images and sounds that like, man, I was standing there when that kid when that ball hit those receivers' hands, it was a thud. Yeah, it's a you know, those are the kinds of images and stuff that, that will help you make a decision.
3: But Brian, you've been to a lot of pro days. Have you ever been to one that changed your opinion on a player where, you know, you, you watched all the tape, but you know, you had yeah. a foundation for your evaluation, but then you went to a pro day, saw him in person, saw maybe whether it was a quarterback or another position. Do you think that is something that? because, I, you know, it, I I get it, but I find it hard to believe that you're going to pick a different player, yeah. especially at quarterback yes, Tell him, a quarterback, based off of a pro day. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just – I'm genuinely interested in – you know, if in your experience you have ever changed your opinion based on a pro-day performance.
2: Just, are you asking of a quarterback or just in general? Anybody.
3: Yeah, just in general.
2: Yeah, it could yeah. be a wide receiver that maybe you saw in the Oz person. You know. Ozakim. Ozakim. I was at, you remember the player for the, from the Rams back in the Arizona? Game? Yeah. He, well, he, he the ball. went to school, San Diego State. Yeah, San Diego State. Azakeem. That's he it. Went to, he went the Rams. Okay, uh, Jason Garrett's brother John does the work out there in San Diego State. Azakeem, I'm seeing him on tape make all kinds of plays, and I'm thinking, and I'm standing there watching him. I watch him run, I watch him run routes, and I'm sitting there thinking, I had this guy way, way too low, way too low. And you know, I mean, he was a smaller guy and stuff like that, but he was one of those guys. And I know people out there are searching right now for (laughs) Azakeem. I'm just telling you, I watched that workout. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, holy geez, I got this kid wrong. Because because I watched I watched John Garrett put him through that workout, and I'm like, he could do everything, everything, as far as a, a, a slot receiver, outside receiver, the routes, anything, catch the football. When you when I saw the movement and the finish and all that, it, it just it completely blew me away of like, man, I I saw stuff on tape but then you see it live right there, you're going, oh, okay, I get it now. There's more you can do with this guy. So he was one of those guys, and again, that's way back in the day, but that was a pro day. Uh, Willie McGinnis. Willie McGinnis was another one I remember. that. Like when you watched how big he was and watched him move around at the pro day and then the combine and things like that, you're going, oh, I get it now. I get this. I I had him in this level, he needs to be at this level up here. Yeah, I think pro days can affect especially you get those coaches when they when you get coaches that work these kids out and they say they say this kid when I worked this kid out he was at this level. When I worked this other kid out, he was a little bit down here. So I think we I think those pro days can affect how these coaches see these players.
4: I absolutely hear what you're saying, and I don't think you're completely crazy, but in the case of quarterbacks, quarterbacks get overdrafted anyway. And at this point, in 2021, all of these guys have a former quarterback coaching them on how to do these workouts. Like All of these guys can make the throws that they need to make and impress teams in a scripted workout. I think if there's something that's going to change a team's mind about a quarterback, it's going to be... Talking to them, interviewing them, uh, you know how they command the room, how they kind of take over. You know, I think you know it automatically makes me think of Dak. Like what made Dak mm-hmm. such an intriguing prospect during his year in the draft cycle was the intangibles and the way that he kind of won people over. And I am curious, you know, it, you just don't, you're not going to have the same opportunity to do that stuff. You know, like you know, you think back to my guy Joe Burrow, like the Bengals, you know, took him out and wind him and dined him. I think. Some steakhouse in Cincinnati, like named a steak after him and stuff like that. Like that's not happening this year, and I wonder if that incomplete information um, affects things because maybe Justin Fields won't have as big of an opportunity to just completely knock somebody's socks off.
3: Well, puts and that's a great point because you think about all the quarterbacks. Uh, you know, Carson Wentz before the Eagles drafted him number two overall. At the combine, they bring them into a hotel room with everybody there. They got their screen uh, ready, and they're going through plays and say, "Okay, what are you seeing here? What's the protection? What's the coverage? Why'd you make this decision? Why'd you do this? Go through his interceptions. Why? You know what happened here? What would you do differently? Those are the things that you know, we could do through a virtual meeting through a Zoom call." But just a little different this year, and so it's 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 tougher, uh, and it's we've got a historic quarterback class. We're gonna have five quarterbacks going the to top ten most likely uh, for the first time ever, and it just happens that it might be the toughest year to fully evaluate these guys as well.
1: Puts a lot of extra pressure on these pro days and a little added weight too. Just maybe that's where you do change your mind, and even though that's not how it has been in the past could potentially be that way this year. It's still yet to be seen, and there are some surprises surprises that are in store here over the next couple of weeks. That is no doubt about it. Whenever we come back on the other side of the break, what players are you okay with trading away from at pick number 10? Are we running from our board, or are we getting better as a football team? We're going to answer that question and a lot more. Twitter on the 20 is next when we return on the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
0: Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears. Okay, let's play. Green soda and Dr. Pepper time Pour it in a glass of mine Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda.
4: A delicious duet. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're thinking about attending a game this season, visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Stay at the team hotel, have dinner with a Cowboys legend, and experience AT&T Stadium's exclusive VIP Owner's Club. Also, tour the star, get autographs from your favorite players, and talk X's and O's with me, Mickey Spagnola, the official travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys will take care of all your travel needs. Visit CowboysTravel.com
0: There's nothing as unique as our eyes which is why Essilor pioneers ways to make lenses as unique as you Verilux for super sharp vision Essential Blue for protection and Grisol for freedom from glare. Three cutting edge solutions in a single unique lens. So whatever your needs insist on Essilor Visit your local Essilor experts and find a perfect lens for you. See more. Do more. Essilor. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. This is the DallasCowboys.com
1: Draft Show. We are 25 minutes into the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show, and we've already had a Brian Broaddus mention of a fourth-round draft pick out of the 1998 NFL Draft. Only from Brian Broaddus that you get that kind of content here on the Draft Show. Glad you're with us. Presented by Miller Lite, He's as always. <laughs> he was impressed. He's now the wide receivers coach for the St. Louis BattleHawks in the XFL, so that's kind of fun. Uh, let's go ahead and step aside and Let's hear the sounder for some Twitter on the 20. Twitter Twitter
0: on the 20. 20, 20, 20.
1: Twitter on the 20, as always, brought to you by Miller Lite and Chris Beam pressing the button in the back. We're going to start off from Fanatic Cowboy. And a reminder, everyone we answered today, we're going to answer five questions. We'll get a signed Dallas Cowboy Star Magazine draft guide. Fanatic Cowboy says, Could John Fossil look for a guy in the later rounds with specific intent to only use as a special teamer kind of like what cj goodwin does with the cowboys right now if so who would that player be like dane brugler i feel like this is right
3: up your alley sure i I think that's certainly possible uh and when you're looking in those late rounds that you're looking you're looking for guys that uh might have a future role in offense or defense but in the meantime, you know what they're going to bring on special teams. So I'm thinking about you know, uh, a guy like Jalen Camp at Georgia Tech, who you know does not have uh, a ton of production at receiver, uh, needs to develop in areas. But you're talking about a guy that was a special team stud at Georgia Tech, and he looks like he's 6'2", 226, ran a 4.45 in the 40-yard dash, And you talked to his head coach about uh, camp as a a special teamer. And he says he brings it every day, physically, mentally. um, and, And so at that point in the draft, that's the type of guy you're looking for. Avery Williams from Boise State, one of the more fascinating players in this draft. When you talk about his special teams impact, he had, well, it was like nine touchdowns over his career as a returner. He had six blocks, uh, forced fumble on kickoff coverage. So, you know, that's a guy that I, teams aren't sure what to do with him. Could he, you know, is he a corner? Is he a running back? There's split opinion there. But they know what he brings on special teams, and I actually I, that, I had the in my seventh round mock I had the the Cowboys uh, going that direction in the seventh round, but we'll we'll hold that to the next segment. <laughs> hey,
2: well, D- Dane, where do you have the USC uh, the safety Hafanga? Where do you have him on your board?
3: Fourth round, uh, it, okay, probably somewhere in that late fourth, early fifth. Okay.
2: Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. I, that's why I got him. I got him in the fifth round, and this is to me the USC safety. He, he, this is where this is a guy that's going to make his mark on special teams really early in his career, and then he's going to figure out they'll like they're going to figure out spots to play him though. So I just feel like because then there's a guy he's always in the right place at the right time type of a player, but there's some there are some things about his game though that you know we're, we're going to need some refinement. But when you when when you when you think about those guys, there's a lot of those safety linebacker guys. He was the one guy, as you named, you named two quality players that I totally agree with you on. But this Hafanga from USC, if he's drafted later, he might not get picked by the Cowboys. But if you see him going somewhere. That will probably be his role initially. I think he'll be a really good special teams player for somebody, and then they'll figure out how to incorporate him as either a safety or a linebacker in that scheme.
4: I'm just gonna step out on a limb and say with what with the influence that we've seen John Fossil have this offseason, um, you know, probably had a call in the Chris Jones decision, although that's you know, that's about money as well, but brought in his long snapper over the longest tenured player on the team. Uh, Re signed CJ Goodwin, who was their best special teamer, brought back Cedric Wilson. I bet starting on day three, I bet John Fossil's going to be in the war room quite a bit uh, looking for guys like that. And yeah, once you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round, you better, you better be able to have a role on special teams, or else what's the point, honestly? Because those guys are usually not competing for legitimate playing time on offense or defense as rookies. Um, I'm not saying. I'm not saying he's like my favorite player, but when you like a question like that just makes me think about tough Borland. <laughs> um just, you know, like you're you're not you're not drafting him to probably ever be a meaningful defender, but like he's a high intangible guy, uh high effort guy, not a super great athlete, but he can he can do stuff like that. And, you know, I don't know if he would even be a draft pick or a free mm-hmm. agent or whatever, but you know the Cowboys found a guy a lot like that in Luke Gifford a couple years ago, and uh, you know those are the types of players
3: that make their living on special teams. So, but absolutely, my comp my comp for Tough Borland is uh, Tyler out Madake- at uh, hmm. Temple, who has been that guy he with Pittsburgh and now with the I believe with the Bills. Not going to see a lot of defensive snaps, but on special teams, that's going to keep him in the NFL earning a paycheck.
1: Borland, of course, out of Ohio State. And then I just want to add a note on Jalen Camp. You mentioned him, Dane. 27 was the record in terms of the bench press for wide receivers. He put up 30 bench reps in his pro day, which I know won't be a combine record, but goodness gracious, he put up 30 reps on bench I mean, that's pretty impressive uh, from a guy who, at least as a wide receiver, could come in and be a special team stud. Okay, this one comes from Christopher. What players are you okay with trading away from at the 10th overall pick? When is it considered running from your board? Brian, we'll start with you on this one.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm totally against running from the board myself. I, I don't. I'm always I always have questions about that. I, I I kind of feel like though that you get into a situation too where people are always interested in getting out of that pick. I you know I just feel like at the ten hole, just to me, sit there and pick this player. You know it, you know they're going to have the opportunity, whether it's an offensive tackle. You know, I don't think that tight end's going to get to you. I, I really, really don't. I think there's going to be a quality cornerback there. You know, so to me, I, I'm going to. I can't answer your question away because I don't want to run away from that spot. I really do. I, I just the players that I evaluated, I feel like those guys deserve to be picked at that tenth spot. You know, we'll see what happens with Parsons and people like that. I'm kind of getting some, getting some vibe that maybe that Parsons wouldn't be the pick at ten. That maybe they might be in a situation where they would go another direction. But me personally, I don't want to trade from anybody in this in this uh, in this spot at ten. Now you get to some other spots, I'll I'll, I'll work with you. But I, I'm not really interested in moving away from uh, from anybody right now.
3: Dave? There's a high, high chance that the pick is going to be Sewell, Slater, Sertan, Horn. Mm-hmm. Anybody disagree with that?
2: I nope. don't, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you at all. And, right. and, that's, and why, feel, that's why I'm not interested in moving right, right. now. I'm really And not. I
3: think we can all feel really good that one of those four is going to be there at pick number 10. Yep. Uh, you know, good chance four or five quarterbacks go ahead of you. Good chance uh, Kyle Pitts is gone. At least yeah. one of those receivers. So one of those four is going to be there for you there at 10. And it would be tough to uh, trade away from one of uh, those four players. I don't see it happening. I think there's a very high chance that the Cowboys are going to be coming away with one of those four guys. Um, and it just kind of depends how the first nine picks play out. Yeah. I'm okay,
4: s- but – you. D- you got to sorry, like you got to throw in the caveat that you never know for sure how this thing's going to fall. And I I agree with everything y'all just said, but if a quarterback is there, if for some dumb reason Justin Fields falls to 10, mm. and I can set the price, like apt like if I can just absolutely hold somebody hostage for what I want, like if if New England or Chicago wants Justin Fields and I can just make them hurt. Like next year's first and maybe and day two picks this year on top of that, like if if New England wants to give me next year's one and one of their threes this year to drop back five spots, I would I would trade away from a really good player to do that. I would. What
2: is your what is your level of where do you have Newsome in relation to Sertan and Horn?
4: Not not on the same level, but if I came away with him at 15 and got all of that stuff in return, I would feel okay with that. Or even, you know, I was about to say, I agree with what y'all just said. Like, Sewell, Slater, um, Horn, Sertan, and I don't think he'll be there, but I'll throw in Pitts. Like, those Mm -hmm. five guys, I feel really, 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 really good about drafting. But if the Cowboys, you know, obviously, we know they don't always agree with us. If the Cowboys want to to draft Parsons or Quitty Pay at 10, I would bail the hell out of there so fast. But I would be perfectly happy drafting Quitty Pay at 15 on top of getting all those draft picks. Absolutely. I would feel just fine. The about only that. the only
2: way you would feel about me personally that I would feel good about leaving 10 is if you got completely wiped out. And I but in my the more I look at this draft, the more I talk to people around the league that are working on these boards and trying to get the tiers of the players. Dane's right. You're going to have a very good player at 10 mm-hmm. to draft. And, 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 you're, and it's just a matter of you handing in that card. I don't want to get queued at 10. And I understand, Dave, what you're talking about with the quarterbacks and stuff like that. But if you're telling me, say, it, I was, that's why I was gauging on Newsom. If you think that Newsome, and he would be the one guy that I think I would, if I was trading down, that I would keep an eye on. But I've also done a study, too, about all these cornerbacks and all these cornerback-needy needing teams behind you, you know, that all of a sudden you're thinking, okay, if I drop back five spots, is that cornerback I'm going to want? Because if you don't feel like there's a big drop-off between Newsome and Horn and Sertan, then go ahead, yeah, back up, see what she could do. But I feel like that they're probably going to feel like that either the offensive tackle, Sertan or Horn, is going to be too valuable for them to move away from.
4: And I just want to be clear, I don't disagree with anything you just said. And I think that that's probably what will happen, and I would be just fine with that. But let's just use the Patriots as an example because we know that they don't have a long-term quarterback situation. They have a lot of draft picks. Like if if the Patriot, if you if you drop back to fifteen, and wound up with their one next year, and pick ninety six. So you pick five times, five times in the top one hundred, and add next year's first round pick. Like you, that doesn't tempt you at all. Cowboys might do that.
2: Yeah, but I'll I'll tell you this though. I'll tell you this though. Well, depending on who you got at fifteen though, if you're if they're comfortable taking Newsom or Ojulari or. Yeah, or one of those guys. Yeah. If, if they're if they're comfortable, if they're comfortable taking Barmore, I me personally, I wouldn't. I would, but that's what I'm saying. This is where you don't think about trading away. Next year's one could get you to move. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a trade I would make if you if you want. I'd give I'd give Washington their quarterback at ten, but I'm asking Oof. you for Chase Young coming back. Oh, I'll take nineteen <laughs> and Chase Young.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Sure. You, want, you how bad how bad do you want my pick?
3: You know what we'll I'm see, saying? I've watched the Lincoln Monument as well. <laughs> yeah, my, maybe. But, my but that's is what I'm saying. And yours is not.
4: Well, you're saying you're saying that New England's going to give you a one. You for sure on that? No, but that's what I'm. That's what I want. And then well, it'd, be, well, it'd be reasonable.
2: That, it's it's to
4: me but, but to but me. If, if not you if you, pay if you get
2: if you get 46 from them, I think you're doing good by that. I think if you get their second-round pick for a five-spot move, that's a way overpay on their part. We all understand the value of quarterbacks. Okay, football team, I'll, I'll see how bad you want your quarterback. How bad you want him. Enough to give up one of your guys? See, that's think, the kind of – that's that's how you – okay. I
4: don't the so, Patriots, so
2: that's the I think, same thing you say about the Patriots. You no, I the think same the thing Patriots about the would Patriots. be
4: way – I think they'd be way more willing to give up a future pick than Washington would be willing to give up – one of the best pass rushers in the league, who's on a rookie deal for four more years. Like one I'm about of to, I'm, about to give, the I'm
2: about to give you. I'm about
4: to give you your quarterback. About to give you a quarterback. I ain't. Tr- I'm not doing a quarterback deal with a division rival. That's just asking for. That's just a freaking nightmare. That's asking for trouble. That's why.
2: That's why he asked. That's why he asked ask for a big time player in return. Yeah, you know, Chase Young's well,
4: not going to make you feel a lot better if Justin Fields turns out to be Peyton Manning. Like that is well, just an I'm absolutely just saying, bad idea. I'm saying
2: you take you take their best player and you take the 19th pick. But I'm saying I think New England value. New England understands the value of a quarterback. I would see them overpaying for giving you 46 and calling it a day. Mm -hmm. I could see that. I would be shocked. I would be shocked if they said, we'll throw in next year's one. I would be shocked uh, on that. Then you don't do it.
4: Yeah, Yeah. if they won't do it, then I say, great, I'm going to draft Sertan, Horn, Slater, or Stuhl Mm -hmm. and feel awesome about it. Like, this isn't hard. Even with all.
1: Go for it, Brian. Go ahead. No, I'm fine. Go ahead. I was just going to say, even with all four of those names put out there, and I would agree with you guys in terms of those names, but whenever I'm building my board, but as far as the Cowboys are leaning, things that I've heard, I've heard offensive tackles kind of off the board at 10. I've heard that they are not necessarily interested in that. Now, I could be totally wrong but that's something that I would definitely want but I'm a little disappointed because I don't think they're as interested. I think it's going to be a defensive player and or Kyle Pitts that falls there at 10 and that's who they're going to ultimately end up taking. If
2: they if they take if they take Quitty Pay like Daniel Jeremiah says they are at 10. Oh
1: man. I'd be
2: I would be I would I would be, be highly disappointed especially too. if one of those corners was on that board. Cuz Quitty Pay yeah.
4: That would be the patented, uh, that would be about eight seconds of silence in the studio before somebody tries to figure out
3: something nice to say. (laughs) Just like another Michigan pass rusher in the first round. I'm
4: just telling you, though,
2: Uh, listen to this, though, guys. Daniel Jeremiah ain't that guy that throws it up against the wall and see what happens. No. When you got a guy that's a scout, that's been a scout for a long time, and he's got friends and stuff like that, he is the only mock draft that I've ever seen that has quiddy pay going at 10. Am I wrong? Has anybody seen anything Seeing different? Seeing that scares me a little you know, bit. Maybe, maybe, well, it, yeah. maybe he, he knows something. Enough. Yeah, maybe he knows something that the rest of us don't know. Don't know. If you're going to take a defensive end at ten, take Ojulari. Take Ojulari from Georgia instead of Pay. But I, the fact that he said that it gave me pause. Mm-hmm. It, it was like it hit me in the stomach, and I went, "Oh, he knows something." You know that kind of thing. So that just goes to show you. If, but if you're trading back. That's who we're talking about. We're talking about Quiddy Pay and and guys like that. You know? And we're like, oh, but we got a pick. Yay, we got a pick. But we got Quiddy Pay, though, too. And, you know,
4: I'm not... You're so so desperate to get rid of picks, but you never (laughs) want to add them. Like, that just... That terrifies you. Yeah, you. Me? No, I love... Let's trade away our whole draft to get up to the top five,
2: but we don't want to add picks. I am all for taking forty-four and seventy-five and going up in the bottom of the first round. Oh,
1: that would be awesome. Am, I'm all be cool for that. with that.
4: No, that's what I'm saying.
2: What that if you take if you if you take an offensive player and what if you what if you get one of those corners? What if you, and, and it doesn't have to be Newsome, But what if you like? I mean, give me give me Dane, give me all your second round corners. Give me every one of your second round oh. corners.
3: The two Georgia kids, Stokes and Campbell, Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. Uh, Asante Samuel, Florida State—is that who you're going up for? Is one of those one of those? But that's guys? what
2: I'm saying, though. If you got if you, they might have those guys. Is you know they might have those guys like you know like the like a, a grade of a of a one two one or a one two o oh, right on the top of that second right at the All end right. of that. Maybe it's the 19th player on their board. You know, I have 19 first round grades. So number 20, bar more. You know, that's kind of where I'm starting right now. So, but maybe one of those corners.
1: Uh, Brian, really quickly, just kind of adding on to your point, since we're talking about this already, I'm going to throw in our third Twitter on the 20 question. Ashley Hutchins says, how soon do you think the Cowboys will start taking a hard look at picking an edge rusher? So maybe edge rushers up there in that 20 realm? Is that a potential if you wanted to go back up and get one? If not, when do they start thinking about it?
2: I would, you know, like I said, I kind of feel like that if they took an offensive player, and again, we talked about this was all the stuff with Pitts. We don't think he's going to be there. Kyle, you just reported that you don't think they're going to take offensive tackle. Don't think so. Well, if that's the case, that yeah, if that's the case, then then there's no reason. The only way I would consider going back up into the round is if one of those offensive tackles was there. You took that guy, and then you wanted to get back in and get one of those corners, those second round corners. You know, or the guys, it's a second-round grade on your board. But remember, guys, they drafted Travis Frederick in the first round, but he was a second-round grade on their board. You don't have 32 first-round sure. grades. You just don't yeah. have it. So whoever they're coming back in for, they're getting a guy that's real close to being, like Dane likes to say, a 1-2, where they're right on that edge. You know, I, 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 I'm, I'm okay. If you're telling me I could go back in and get that guy – I could I could pick a guy at ten. I could pick a guy at twenty six, and I could pick a guy at ninety nine. I feel like I've had a pretty damn good day to start out those first three picks. Uh,
3: Kyle, to you know specifically the question about when you consider pass rusher. I, I you consider pass rusher at every single pick. Mm-hmm. You know if a pass rusher is there that you think is going to impact your team uh, in a big way, you take them. And you know maybe they do have a high grade on quitty Pay. You know time will tell. Uh, In the second round, could it be a a Joe Tryon from Washington, or a Mm Turner from Houston? There you go. You know, I I I don't think there's necessarily well. Okay, we'll wait till third round before we consider. You know, every single pick, I think there might be a player uh, at the pass rush position that's going to be in the conversation that they would consider. There's a sweet spot. This second
2: round could be a lot of fun for some teams drafted, in my opinion, because. To me, there's pockets of guys. Whether you need a wide receiver, whether you need an offensive tackle,
3: corner. maybe those
2: defensive ends, corner. We're starting yeah. to see some of those safeties. This second round. Now again, my my whole thing about trading back in is if you wanted to corner, if you drafted the first offensive player, or yeah, uh, or you wanted to, you know, to to make that. But you know, you could pick it 44 and 75. And be and 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 really, I think do some really some good things because there's certain positions that have great depth within the position, and I, I think that some teams are gonna some can hit, hit some home runs on.
1: So I want to move on to this next question. This comes from Cami Hawk. She says. Could Micah Parsons play more of a Vic Beasley role in Dan Quinn's defense? Beasley was the same size as Parsons coming out of school and also has the pass rush background. Do you think there's a chance that Micah Parsons could kind of fit into that hole, Brian?
2: Yeah, I, and, and to the point of the question, I yeah, he, absolutely. The one thing I think that Parsons can do is is can rush. I mean, he's got the size, he's got that kind of ability. Again, just getting that vibe that Parsons really not in the mix for mm-hmm. a spot. I think at ten, but, but might might be getting lied to, guys. I'll admit that. But I Same. the vibe all might I'm be. getting was there's there's a lot of things there's a lot of things you need to dig in on this player. And if you're comfortable taking the player, great. If not, let somebody else have that honor of doing that. But yeah, to the point yeah I, I think that I think you have a potential uh pass rusher on your hands uh, when it comes to the linebacker spot yeah
4: if if he's the pick he better he better contribute to the pass rush in a serious way like he he needs to and I I feel I bring it up a lot because it just happened but you know Todd Bowles schemed up a way for Devin white to have nine sacks last year I mean yeah. he was a he was a significant part of that pass rush, which already had good pass rushers, and he—that wasn't even really part of his, you know, thumb thumbnail coming out of college. That wasn't something that he did at a, you know, I mean, he can he could do it, but didn't do it all the time, and he—they still managed to find a way to do it. So with that type of athleticism and knowing that he can do it. I, like he better be contributing to the pass rush for him to be worth that that high of a pick in my opinion.
3: There's no question that he could because that's what he did in high school. He was a pass rusher, right. he was a yep. defensive right. end. Uh, he didn't move to off ball until he got to college. So you know you look at Aziz Aguilari, Aziz Aguilari is three pounds heavier than uh, Mike Parsons. So we're not talking about a, you know, <laughs> wow. a 220-pound linebacker here. Right. Um, yeah. Mike Parsons has 11-inch hands, humongous hands. Uh, you know, There's a lot of things that you point to and say, yeah, he could be a pretty dynamic blitzer for us. So I, I, you know, I think you if you draft Mike Parsons, you do it with the understanding that he's going to do a little bit of everything for you, and you right. need to be a little creative with how you use him. But I, with a talent like that, I, I think you can do it. Should be fun to watch because I mean Parsons
1: is one of those names that could sneak into that conversation, but is he really in that conversation? That's kind of what we're waiting until draft night to really see. Okay, final question real quickly. Cowboys Luchador says Sertan is the obvious front runner at ten, but is there a front runner available at forty four? Dane, I feel like you got this. Is there a front runner for the Cowboys at forty four? We'll talk about your mock
3: draft in a second. It's so hard because you just don't know how the first 43 picks are going to play out. Like, could it be a safety? Uh, you know, it, it, it could you know, Richie Grant or uh, Trevon Merrick, if they were to fall there at a 44, be the favorite? Uh, maybe one of those pass rushers, um, assuming they go corner in the first. So, I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you. It's just it's hard to have a favorite at, in the second round for this team. Maybe a Levi Onzerike, defensive tackle. Yeah. Don't rule that out. I mean, right. I think there's... Yeah. plenty of possibilities. and this is one of those drafts like, like like several other drafts we've seen in recent memory where pick 23 isn't necessarily that different than 43. And you know there's just a wide grouping of players that are on a similar talent level. So you know it, you're feeling pretty good sitting there at what is it, pick 44 mm-hmm. that you're gonna get yeah. a, a solid player. It, you know you're gonna have a list of guys though I don't think there's one necessary uh, a favorite in the second round I'm
2: praying to the draft gods right now that that jam and Davis from from, yes. some, from somehow some way from Kentucky like does something crazy that gets him to get to 44 that that would be my if you want to sacrifice something to the draft gods beforehand Think about him, but I, I I do like what Dane's saying. I think that TCU safety is definitely on their radar, though. That that would be mm-hmm. one that, and this team might not. You know, I mean, this team has this team is allergic to safeties. They really are. I mean, especially yep. you know, they, it's like they get you know they they start getting the shakes when they see a safety. But this is a different group at 44, I think. You know, and I'll even throw the Holland kid in there from Oregon I mean I've talked about him but I like him as a player I throw him up there with the 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 grants and the TCU kid and all that I, I think that he's a guy that we don't talk nearly enough about
4: there's no way there's no way to know the name like I know you know we're experts or whatever but there's just absolutely no way I mean the guy that was the pick at 51 last year was somebody that we spent most of the spring talking about as a possibility in the first round. Yep. Yeah. And but that I think that gives you a hint as to what'll happen and maybe this sounds obvious but think about the trouble spots. All right, let's just assume Patrick Sertan or JC Horn is going to be the pick. I think that is a fantastic bet. I would put if I was a betting man, I would put good money on it. So if you know that they're going to do that, now at 44, think about the trouble spots. Offensive tackle, linebacker, safety, maybe defensive tackle. Yeah. There's going to be a guy sitting there that makes your eyebrows go like, whoa, he's still there? hmm And, you know, maybe it's your linebacker. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's Richie Grant. Maybe it's Trevon Merrig. Maybe, you know, I say his name all the time, but maybe like an Alex Leatherwood for some reason is still sitting yeah. there for you. I tend to doubt it, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, There will be a guy there that you just like. It just jumps out, and I like that'll be the pick. That would be my guess.
2: They might double dip on those corners. If you take one at ten, there might be. It might be too good to pass up at forty-four. You know, and and Basham is another kid I forgot to mention from from Wake Forest Forest. as a defensive end. You know, two. Yeah, keep an eye on on a guy like that as well, man. There's. I can say, guys, at forty-four, there is going to be a pocket of players. That Dave talks about the eyebrows going up, and it's gonna be like, okay, on the stack, we've got this guy, and it's like unbelievable. We've got an option, you know, of, of say four or five guys at different positions. I mean, you could go a lot of different directions with that pick at 44 and help your football team.
1: Carlos Boogie Basham. I love saying that name every time it comes up. All right, let's take our second break. Whenever we come back, we're going to hit Dane's mock draft as quickly as we can on the other side of the break on the DallasCowboys.com draft show.
0: Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces It's not complicated.
4: At AT AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply.
0: Visit att.com for details.
1: Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A
2: man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys.
0: Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces.
1: This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. So we've got less than seven minutes to hit Dane's seven-round Dallas mock draft whenever you can go read it on The Athletic. He's got all seven rounds, all 259 picks. And Dane, I know that's a lot of process to go through to get all 259 picks, but kind of explain in a summary what your thought process was whenever the Cowboys came up at 10 and
3: beyond. Yeah, it's an interesting exercise because it really makes you focus on, okay, what are the draft habits of each uh, team, organization, GM? Uh, Try to focus on not just the needs, but what, you know, certain teams will draft certain positions at a certain point. Some teams will avoid certain positions at a certain point in the draft. So trying to keep track of all that is really interesting, and it helps kind of prepare you for the actual draft. But in this uh, scenario, five quarterbacks came off the board in the first nine picks, uh, both tackles Slater and, and Sewell came off the board, and then so did Pitts. Uh, so you're looking at the first defensive player off the board at number 10, which is crazy. I went back uh, to the in the Super Bowl era, so 1967, before the merger. Uh, we've only had there's only been one time where a defensive player lasted until a seventh pick before they were drafted that was champ bailey in 99 wow so for a defensive player to last all the way to 10 it's kind of crazy um but here we are there's a good chance that that's how it plays out and in this scenario patrick Sertan sitting there for the cowboys uh they're at the 10th pick and it kind of just makes too much sense not to happen
1: So they go get their their top pick overall. Then after that, they go safety in the second round with a guy that, Brian, you mentioned in the last segment, Javon Holland out of Oregon. What was your thought process with Holland instead of maybe one of those other safeties and or defensive tackles that could have been there?
3: Well, Richie Grant uh, was off the board. I believe Trevon Merrick, yeah. Merrick was off the board as well. So, this really came down to okay, we could go defensive tackle with Onsarike. We could go uh, safety with Holland. Uh, there you know, were a few tackles still left with a Sam Cosmi or uh, you know Carlos Basham was still there, uh, who I think would be a, a nice fit in this defense. Uh, back end of this uh, this defense, and I know it's a position that they will avoid uh, in the early rounds. But at some point, that's just, you got to get past that, right? I mean, at some point, yeah. you have to invest some really quality players in your safety position. And Javon Holland, I think, at pick number 44, like the fit, like what he brings. He's going to compete uh, at both a nickel and as a free safety. Uh I don't know Brian, what do you think about Holland? I tell you 44th? what I love
2: the pick that's a true free safety right there that's around the football. Mm-hmm. He tackles well the he plays the ball, he gets his hands on balls he's got he 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 this is a true free safety, and you just watch the tape, watch him play down after down i mean he is he's got a chance, I think to be a special player. I love the fact that Dane mocked him when I saw that. I was saying, okay, we're off to a great start here. You got a corner and now a true free safety. So I applaud the pick. I, I think that, that I think Dane did a great job for the Cowboys picking there at 44.
4: I want to throw this in too, and Dane, I mean you're you're right, and I'm the king of saying I'll believe they draft a safety when I see it. But the new D coordinator loves him some safety play. Yeah. He drafted Keanu Neal in the first round when he was the head guy in Atlanta. He brought him here. He brought Kazee here. He worked with Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. And I need to follow up on this. I don't know. I don't know for sure if he went, but Dan Quinn was supposed to go to Eugene for Oregon's pro day. Pretty sure he was
3: there. Yeah, I think he so was. now on you the ground. tell me
4: Now, you tell me why the Cowboys' D coordinator would be there. Because, I mean, I know there are some other guys coming out of Oregon, but, like, nobody that, like, is on the D coordinator level where your best defensive coach needs to go look at him with his own eyes. So, Dan Quinn certainly wanted to take a look at Javon Holland. So, I definitely think that's a name worth knowing.
1: There's also maybe a new need for Edge Rusher as we conclude the draft show as Alden Smith has agreed to terms on a one-year deal with the Seattle Seahawks, according to Ian Rapperport as of 50 seconds ago. Actually, and that's not 50 seconds ago. It says 50 minutes ago. So there's a couple minutes in between there. But, I mean, Edge Rusher may be there in the second round. There might be a couple guys there like a Carlos Basham that you might want to look at. Tell me about the rest of the picks, Dane, really quickly before we wrap things up. I really like your third-round pick. Uh, it, or this one at seventy-five, rather for Marlon
3: Tui Pelotu, the USC defensive tackle. I really like that one overall. Yeah, I like the fit there. I like the depth there. I think he's an interchangeable defensive tackle. Can play the one. Can play the three um, at, at seventy-five. Good value. Uh, Deontay Smith at left tackle at pick ninety-nine. Uh, you know, he's a guy you you, you draft this. and develop. You know, I think he's your long-term succession plan at left mm-hmm. tackle. Uh, fourth round, I love pick 115, Chauncey Golston. Uh, he's your new Tyrone Crawford. Uh, you know, he can reduce inside. He can give you juice off the edge. Love the instincts. Love the motor. Dylan Moses, uh, also in the fourth round, a guy that has an injury history, but take a swing at that point because he, he has early round talent. Uh, with Trevon Grimes, wide receiver in the fifth, uh, You know a guy that you add to the depth chart. Uh, John B- uh, Bates, this is the, the token Boise State uh, player that the Cowboys have to draft. <laughs> uh, also had him go in guard center in the sixth round, William Sherman out of Colorado. And then in the seventh, uh, Kenny Nwongu, uh running back at Iowa State, who's a big-time special teams guy, uh, can help out and st- stick on a roster just based on special teams. So uh, I-, I doubt they're going to make all those picks, um, not those specific players, but just make those picks in general. I think we'll see them move around a little bit. But uh, with where things stand right now, I think that's a kind of realistic look at how they could go.
2: Yeah, I like what you did with Sherman at the very end of the draft, though. I watched the Colorado tape. He plays tackle. You can plug him in a guard. This guy gets movement in the running game. Going to need some work on the pass technique stuff and all that, but you talk about a big, powerful guy. That's what you're looking for, traits, guys you can develop, guys that play a couple different positions. I think Dane had a hell of a draft for the Cowboys there. I really, really do. I like what he did uh, with, with all his picks. I'm yeah. here for it.
1: Especially I
4: for I love the first three for sure. Yeah,
2: well, the think- first four. You got to go study that East Carolina tackle. That guy's a good player now. Fair. He, Fair. he is. He is a really good player.
1: Why well, even like
2: 296 pounds? A little bit of a lighter guy, but. Great on his feet. I mean, yeah. great on his
1: feet. I even like your thought process going later on, getting a wide receiver in the fifth, getting a tight end in the sixth, interior offensive line in the sixth as well. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could go, and he's one of those guys that I think is off his team the does. board. Exactly. Yeah, they they line up later on and they they figure things out, and I think that's a great way to put it, Dane. Great job. And you can also go check out the entire seven round mock draft, all 259 picks, on the Athletic. Go subscribe and follow Dane Bruegler Is of course, he does great work there. He does great work here on the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. That's going to do it for us next week. Get ready. We've got some live mock drafts coming your way. We'll do it on the show. We'll talk about it. We'll react to it. Plus, we're going to start giving our top fives at each position starting next week when we come back on the DallasCowboys.com draft show. But for Chris Beam, for Dane Brugler, for Brian Broadus, David Hellman, I'm Kyle Yeomans. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
0: This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys?